Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. During the pandemic, it has become more and more clear that there are a lot of different value structures floating around. Someone in my family is anti-vaccines. They don't vaccinate their children. They won't be getting the COVID vaccine. And I've really been struggling with the question of how to understand them or how to have compassion for them or how to comfortably exist in a world where people have values that so greatly disagree with my own and with values that protect other people. I try really hard to respect everybody's values, but this one is really hard for me because it seems like it's not just a personal value. The choice that she's making affects the world around her. So I'm really hoping that you can help me find something comfortable, somewhere comfortable to sit with this. Thank you. I'm Casper Kyle, and this is The Real Question. So a few months ago, we received a voicemail, just the one you heard at the top of this episode, and we thought, now that is a real question. And today, I'm really excited because we're going to be joined by the person who asked that question and sent us that voicemail by Risa. Hi, Risa. Hi, Casper. I'm so glad you're on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you for asking me. It's a huge honor and a little bit scary, but I'm excited to be here and talk about it with you. You know, listening to a voicemail, I just felt such empathy for you. And it's a question I really recognized as well, because I know people in my life who feel the same way. And I think for a lot of people listening, you know, that's a recognizable question and one that a lot of us have had to navigate in one way or another. So Risa, I'd love to get to know you a little bit and maybe especially the context for this question. How did this really start for you as something you've been thinking about? Sure. Well, my name's Risa. I am in Portland, Oregon. Um, And I mean, this started for me when I was a kid. I was raised by a single parent who taught Mm. me to always really think critically about things and ask all the questions. I was the annoying kid in class who always had a question and politely raised my hand, but I always had the questions. And so as I encounter the world, I'm like, well, why are we doing this? Or why is this Mm. happening? And so as the world has shifted and changed in my whole life, but specifically in the last two years, there have been a lot of questions coming up for me like this one. I was also raised to be a really kind, loving, caring, compassionate Mm. person. And so with this question specifically and some others that have come up for me that kind of orbit around this one or that this one orbits around, I've struggled with that duality of I want to be kind, I want to be loving, I want to be a good person. And also this really frustrates me and it makes me really sad and angry and I struggle with that. Mm. Um, The other piece of that is that my mom was a teacher and I was a teacher for about 15 years of tiny humans and now I'm a teacher of teachers sort of where I get to support teachers in their work. So that kind of goes along with the questioning side of things and also the compassion and kindness side of things. And so that's sort of where I sit in this world. That makes so much sense to me. Just that sense of like these two really important values for you of both questioning and trying to understand and and doing um, doing what's right and, and doing what's sensible and, and what's evidence-based, you know, wh- where is the knowledge? Yeah. And then on the other hand, this sense of, well, I know how important empathy and compassion are and I understand how people develop and learn and grow. And it feels like in this question, those two things are not just like sitting nicely together, but like competing. I can imagine like, frankly, what a mind fuck that is. Like these two values that are really important and that usually sit nicely together now are like clashing in a cage battle. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, this question around vaccination has really come to the fore during COVID. But I'm curious, like, was this a fault line in the relationship with this person that you loved beforehand? Or was it something that really kind of ramped up over the last two years? I think both things are true. This person and I have had a couple of conversations before COVID about vaccines. And it seemed like there were questions from her looking for me to be supportive of her decision. Mm. And I wasn't. And we did have some heated I, would, I, I don't want to say discussions, but um, back and forth um, yeah. about it because I didn't agree with her. But there were ways that we could come to some agreement. Like I, I said, well, you know, I completely understand what, how Europe vaccinates differently. We don't give 20 shots to a brand new baby. Like I'm fully on board with slowing the process. And so we were able to come to a middle there. And then we just sort of didn't talk about it anymore. Yeah. But with COVID... 
there have been repeated challenging conversations where before the vaccine was available, why aren't you coming to visit? Well, I don't Mm -hmm. want to get on a plane. Why aren't you coming to visit now? You're vaccinated. Well, I don't want to give you COVID unknowingly because I might have it and not know it. So we've had repeated conversations Mm -hmm. around that that have been a struggle. And part of me is like, well, we just won't talk about it. But I continue to really struggle with the duality that we were talking about, you know, what does that say about you as a person, right? I didn't get that deep into that thought process with her initially because I respected her choice and her decision for her family. And I didn't get the connection as readily as I do now between this decision that she's making for her family and how that decision impacts other people. Yeah, I can imagine that like, you know, this issue can like live a little awkwardly, but like, kind of side stage and like suddenly all the spotlights are on it and it's like this most intense fault line in a relationship because actually it starts to dictate basic things like can you see each other in person which previously you know if you weren't doing the mumps vaccine like it's not necessarily going to stop you from having coffee but now it is this fault line I guess one of the obvious questions I want to ask you is, you know, one thing that plenty of people do in these situations be like, okay, bye, (laughs) you know, with like casual acquaintances. So before we get into maybe some of the challenges of this situation and without revealing specifics about who this person is, would you give us a sense of what you love about this person? Like, why are you committed to the relationship itself? It's funny because family is not always easy, right? Mm. And I do love this person. There are people in our families that, you know, I think if we didn't, if we weren't related, we would be friends, we would hang out, we we have common interests and all that. And there are people in our family that we wouldn't necessarily, but that we love, Uh right? So I didn't have any siblings growing up and my cousins were my siblings. I was super close to my cousins because I didn't have any siblings. You know, I'm the oldest. I watched her be born Mm. like as a kid. And so throughout my life, she's been part of my life and She has an incredible heart. She's incredibly intelligent. She's a wonderful mom. Mm. She tries new things without even like taking a breath. She's super brave and just launches herself into the world in a way that I really respect. I was raised by a scared mom who Mm. didn't harness those things for me. And I've become more of that person. But when I look at her and I think about, you know, should I do this? She's somebody that comes into my mind and I think about, well, yeah, she would do this. She would take the leap because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? So aside from being family and having history, there are these beautiful, lovely things about her that I want to know and want Mm. to be a part of. She also has amazing children whose lives I want to be a part of. So, Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. I, I, I feel like I've had a little glimpse into who she is and also like what you love about her. And that it's not just the relationship with her that's on the line. There's also these other people that you care about, you know, that are wrapped up in this conversation. So I really appreciate that complexity. And I I actually really appreciate the fact that you asked that question Mm. because it's not something that I think about all the time, right? They're just somebody that's in my life. And so giving me a moment to think about that, number one, it made this whole conversation harder. Thanks a lot. But (laughs) it also makes this whole conversation harder. Thanks a lot. Like it's, Mm. it's good to remember the things that we love about people in our lives who also present challenges for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also feel like if you don't really care about someone, a decision like this is easy, right? Like right. You, you just got to say it like, okay, bye. If you do care about someone, like that's what makes it so hard because yeah. there's something that really matters here. And so it's not a decision you want to make lightly. 
it's something you really care about. I really honor that. Thank you. Um, you've talked about this with her before. Like, how have those conversations gone or did they go at all? They really didn't. Um, mm. It was. It's not something I bring up other than in answer to her question. So why aren't you coming to visit? Answering the question, well, I don't yeah. feel safe getting on a plane right now. You know, why don't you feel comfortable coming to the house? Well, and I, I don't... I don't actually think I answered that one. I don't actually think mm. when she asked why I wasn't comfortable coming to the house, I don't think we got into it because I just didn't yeah. want to get into it. So it's been more one-sided where she will present her thinking or her thought process around it or her frustrations with the state of things right now. And I will just, uh-huh, yeah, that must mm-hmm. be really hard. Like try to really just acknowledge her feelings because they're real, yeah. but also just not engage there was a conversation with one of her kiddos where they were talking specifically about masks and, you know, that they didn't wear them and that they didn't know why I wouldn't travel. They didn't understand why they hadn't seen me in a really long time. And I just kind of spoke about me personally and tried really hard not to say because they're little and yeah. I didn't want to say anything that would be detrimental to what her value structure is, but at the same time, I really had this internal struggle of like, oh, I really want to, I really want to help navigate this for you, but that's not my job. So they've been challenging conversations, but I don't think she knows that they were challenging for me. Mm. Well, first of all, if life is a video game, you're at like expert level, like here you are navigating, like it's not my, I'm not the parent, so like I can't impose, but also my integrity is at stake, so I need to speak what is true for me. Um, so first of all, like snaps, snaps for Risa. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I feel like one missing bit that you mentioned in your voicemail that I haven't asked about yet is the responsibility, not just to you and and this person and their family, but like a broader society. I mean, at this point, more than 700,000 people in the United States alone have died. You know, there's still a lot of uncertainty about people who have long COVID. Like this is clearly for real and it's serious. And that's something that came through really clearly in your voicemail. Can you talk a little bit about, yeah, I guess your experience of COVID and the awareness you have of the impact on other people for people who are choosing not to get vaccinated? I was initially impacted with my job um, because Mm. schools didn't know what was happening and kids were leaving the classroom and teachers were leaving the classroom. And then, you know, a large portion of my company was furloughed um, Mm. because, again, there was all this uncertainty. Really early on in COVID, I had two friends who died from COVID, people that I was close with and knew, and both of them were not old and not unhealthy. So... It was real for me, Mm. not just in the hundreds of thousands of numbers, but in people that I actually knew. So because I was directly impacted, because I knew people, because my job was impacted, because my friends' jobs were impacted, it really led me to feel and see the impact that COVID was having on other people and the impact that the choices that I was making was having on other people. So it wasn't about me anymore. I mean, I don't enjoy having needles in my arm, but I will do it over and over and over again to protect myself and to protect the people that I care about and people that I don't know who I do care about because Mm. they're people and they're alive. And I want them to be able to stay that way for the people that they do know and do care about. Well, 
as you know, the way we try and figure out at least something about the question we have is to bring a text to the conversation. So you've chosen two today that we're going to talk through and hold hand in hand with this question. What did you bring as your first text? So I brought the song by the fabulous Brandy Carlisle titled I Will. Listening to it through this lens, I was like, wait, I like I remember pausing the song and rewinding and going back and listening to that chunk again. Hmm. So that is what I brought. I don't think you ever learned a thing from me, but I'm sure that you want me to learn from you. And you've drawn heavy handed lines around morality about yourself, and I don't share your point of view. Yeah. So the part that I highlighted was, I don't think you ever learned a thing from me, but I'm sure that you want me to learn from you. And you've drawn heavy handed lines around morality about yourself. And I don't share your point of view. Mm. So what brought you to choose that? What resonates for you in those lyrics? It's obviously a love song, Mm. right? I, I love this person. And it's clear from the lyrics in this song that there's love here, right? Mm. These people love each other. And there's also this conversation that nobody's hearing each other. You know, I don't think you ever learned anything from me, but you really want me to learn from you, right? And mm. that's that's sort of what I see going on in the world right now is, mm-hmm. you know, we're all shouting about the beliefs that we have and the things that we want to do, and nobody's listening. Mm. And then the second set of lines, you know, you've drawn heavy-handed lines around morality about yourself, and I don't share your point of view, the morality piece kind of got me. I would love to have a conversation with Brandy Carlisle someday about these lyrics because <laughs> I resonated with, you know, we all do. We draw these lines around what we believe in our morality and our choices and our values. And they're about you. Mm. And it's the question of, I don't share your point of view. Do I have to, to be friends with you? Do I have to, to love you? Do I have to, to exist in this world with you? How do we navigate this duality of... I wish you'd learn from me. Mm. You want me to learn from you. We're just shouting at each other now. Mm. There's something in the tenor of these lyrics that feel distinct from what you've shared so far. I'm really drawn to that pairing of words of heavy-handed. And I'm curious, is your experience of how this person is communicating what they believe in, communicating their stance, whether it's to you or on social media, like, is there a heavy-handedness that you recognize in how they're communicating about it? Or is it more between the two of you? Like, how does that heavy handedness show up in your context? I don't feel like she has been heavy handed with it. She doesn't really post much on social media about it. She doesn't push her beliefs on anybody else. Well, except within her own family, but we'll leave that. (laughs) She doesn't push that on me. There isn't any heavy handedness from her. Mm. I think the word that resonates for me is heavy, because Mm. it feels heavy. It feels like this heavy brick wall that's sitting on me when she's inviting me to come hang out with her and her family for an afternoon. It feels like a wall between us that's just like really heavy and big, but she isn't heavy handed with it. She's not one of the the Mm. people who are shouting it from the rooftops. It really is a personal belief for her Mm. versus, you know, being proclaimed. Mm. But I do feel it between us, even though she's never directly said you shouldn't or you should anything to me, but it feels big and heavy and between us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also looking at the first couple of lines in these lyrics, um, but I'm sure that you want me to learn from you. 
And, you know, I can tell you're an empathetic person. I think as an educator, that's just something that you have to have in order to, to understand how someone else is learning. And so I can imagine describing that wall that you feel between you you've tried to find ways of like peeking over it or walking around it or like trying to burrow through it or underneath it what has that experience been like for you i think the burrowing happened pre the covid vaccine right Uh, so she and i were having an initial conversation about why she had chosen not to vaccinate her children and i did try to ask questions and to understand Because I live in a part of the world where there are, I mean, I think we all live in parts of the world where people have differing beliefs about vaccines, but it's really present in Portland. And so I wanted to understand. I wanted to to understand. That did not go anywhere. It did not, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't a comfortable conversation. I could see where she was coming from, but I didn't really get it and I didn't subscribe and I didn't want to keep going down that path. Having had that conversation, I chose not to have it again with in relation to COVID because I didn't feel like we would get anywhere from it. And I just sort of sat with it. And that's been the hard part is the sitting with it and the tummy hurting when I feel like she's veering towards that part of the conversation and the struggle with, you know, continuing to have the conversation and not do the thing that comes naturally to me, which is like, please help me understand like what you think. And so I can empathize and sympathize and get it. And it sounds like for your integrity, just sticking with the discomfort, like, isn't good enough. It's exhausting. Like being this uncomfortable all the time is exhausting. Trying to figure out how to explain that the last time she invited me over, I woke up in the middle of the night, the night before I was supposed to go, having a full-blown panic attack Mm. because I'd had a terrible dream that I had given her COVID and she died. Like, I don't know how to have that conversation with her. I'm scared to have it. I want to go and visit her and see her children, but I don't want to inadvertently harm them in any way. It's not a long-term solution to just sit here in this very uncomfortable place. Yeah. Do you think if she knew how frightened you feel and how much you care for her safety and for the safety of other people, her kids, that it would change? Or does it feel like... It wouldn't matter. I I don't know. In order to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to know what they think, you have to understand where they're coming from. And I don't mm. understand where she's coming from. And so I don't know. And that's part of the fear of having the conversation is I don't know how she will respond. I don't know if she's going to get angry and the decision will be made for me and we won't ever talk again. Yeah. I don't think she would say, oh, well... I didn't realize that. I'll go get the vaccine right now. <laughs> I don't think that's the the direction we would go. But in the in-between of those two options, I don't know where we would land. And I have had fights with her in the past, not about this. And they're very unpleasant. I'm not a, not a confrontational person. I don't like fighting with people. I'm yeah. very like, I'll just be over here quietly, not bothering anyone. <laughs> so it feels like really clear that on the one hand, the risk of the conversation is significant, right? Previous disagreements have been unpleasant, specifically around this topic. We know there's real disagreement. And on the other hand, kind of continuing where we are is equally but differently awful. I guess one of the questions I have for you is what would feel like an acceptable risk in terms of telling her? Like, is this feeling now worse than not speaking to each other for two years? I mean, that's an impossible comparison, but I'm going to ask you anyway. 
I mean, I think that's where the question that I brought to you came from, because I think I have to have the conversation with her because I can't just be busy every weekend and not go like that feels worse because I'm lying. So I think the conversation has to happen. The piece that's really hard for any interaction like this is that I don't have any control over how she responds. I only have control over how I present my thoughts, opinions, views, values, how I frame it around, you know, my love for her and her family. But I have zero control over how people respond to the things that I say and the things that I think. And that is, I think, always the challenge of interpersonal relationships is that I can plan and think and organize and present my case. And you do. (laughs) And then I have to release it out into the ether and hope that it lands in a way that feels like a blanket and not like a knife. Yeah. That's such a powerful image, like a blanket, not like a knife. Yeah. A cozy blanket, not a smothering blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Risa, I'm just looking at these lyrics again, and I'm wondering if there's anything else that the wonderful Brandy Carlisle might have to offer us. Like that she's very clear, for example, in that last line, I don't share your point of view. Like she's saying that. And I'm wondering if there's something in the clarity and the integrity of this song that speaks to you as well. I mean, I think when I chose this text, I specifically chose it because it seemed like she was saying, yep, it's time to walk away. Mm. Like, we don't agree. I I didn't, I'm not able to learn from you. You're not able to learn from me. You taught me a lot. Like we got a lot from each other, yeah. but that's done now. And it it felt like she was saying, you know what, Risa, it's okay yeah. to walk away from this. And it, it kind of, it reminds me of that saying about people are in our lives for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Yes. And I struggle with that because I want people to always be with me. And they are, right? The things that I've gained from people and the the lives that we've shared, even if it's just a short time, mm. they stay with me. But I felt like she was giving me permission to acknowledge that like, we might not be lifetime friends, even though we're related. Yeah. So I got a little bit of permission from that mm. to allow for me to walk away. And how does that feel? I mean, like having that door be opened, right? Like it's an option on the table. Does it make you want to walk through it? No, it doesn't. The thought of walking away from the relationship with her and her family and whatever impact that would have. I mean, family is a ripple effect. So where are those impacts going to be? That scares me. I don't want to walk through the door. And at the same time, there's a safety in having more than one door. Yeah. In seeing that there are options as a kid, I'm, I, and as an adult, let's be honest, I'm a super black and white thinker. And sometimes I get stuck in the loop of, well, it's either this or this. And that those are the only choices. And then somebody, usually my therapist says, well, what if those weren't the only other choices? What else could happen? And she's like, I, you know, don't put a limit on it. Just get wild and crazy. Like, what are the other things that could possibly occur? And even though I'm not going to walk through those doors either, just knowing that they exist helps me to feel less constrained and less like, well, it's either this or it's this and that's it. Mm. It sounds like Brandy's helped us in a couple ways. Like one is, you know, you said, I have to have the conversation. Like, sounds like you're pretty clear that you want to say something and you can't control how it's received, but you can control how it's conveyed. That you don't want to fall into kind of binary thinking that it's, 
you know, either we're the closest to friends and everything is great, or I'm cutting you out of my life and never going to talk to you again. Like that there's, there's a multiplicity of roots. So it feels like the next step is to think about, okay, so what is the action? Does that feel too bold or does that feel right? I, I think the action is obviously like we have to have a conversation. For me, the next step is to write out the conversation, right? Yeah. Like at least on my side, what am I going to say? Not because I'm going to read it and it's scripted, but because I need to lay out for myself the things that I want to say so that I don't inadvertently say something in a way that I didn't want it to come out because it's an emotionally charged situation. So for me, it's like the action is, yep, I have to have this conversation. Okay, moving backwards from that, okay, in order to have that conversation, I need to lay out the at least bullet points of what are the things I'm going to say and why am I going to say them? And does this need to be said? Mm. Is it going to land in the wrong way because I want to say it, but do I need to say it? Does it matter? Yeah. And really thinking about those lovely I statements and, you know, really coming at it from from my perspective and what I'm feeling and doing and thinking and being as opposed to calling her out for anything. Does that won't help, I don't think. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, Risa, what is the second text that you've brought to help us figure this out? The second text I brought is actually an excerpt from a blog that is titled Tikkun Olam in a Pandemic and Beyond, Mm. Acting Together Globally. And this is a Jewish slant on the idea of Tikkun Olam, which is to care for the world. Mm. That's a very Jewish value. And it's by, um, I feel terrible, I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's either Lilach or Lilach, I don't know, Shafir. Both good options. Um, Yeah, they're both lovely. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's a beautiful name. She wrote this in February of 2021, Mm. really focusing on how do we protect the world? How do we take care of the world in a pandemic? Mm. Um, Okay, so one of the paragraphs in this text that really kind of made me start to think about this. She says, in my decade of work at American Jewish World Service, I've come to understand that as we grapple with the massive challenges that exist in our world today, it isn't enough to apply our hope and indignation inward, tackling the challenges in our own communities. We must look outward, recognizing that our actions affect people an ocean away and vice versa. 
Taking global responsibility is necessary for the future of our planet and its inhabitants, and it's an essential part of what it means to be a Jewish people in the 21st century. Mm. I'm so struck by that reading, and, and I love that you've brought this particular text, because at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about the values that you grew up with, especially ones that your mother had passed on. But then you also mentioned how how Judaism had shaped you and, and that this particular tradition was important to you. Um, one of the things I always think about uh, with, you know, my friendship with Vanessa is the way that she talks about one of the, the the most important things you can do, the kind of most important mitzvah is to save a life, right? This idea that we have this responsibility toward each other. And that really comes across in this text as well, that sense of not just an inner conversation or an inner responsibility, but an outer one. Can you talk more yeah. about how did you find this? Like what made you want to think through this question with this text? So to be completely honest, Ariana took me by surprise when asking me to come on the show. And then she drops the, oh, by the way, bring a couple of texts with you. And I'm like, what? I need Casper and Vanessa to answer this question for me. I, I don't I don't know. But I knew, like, part of the reason that I am the way I am about all kinds of things is because of the values that were instilled in me in Judaism mm. from my mother, from camp, from synagogue. I mean, there's a song that we used to sing at camp about saving one life means you're saving the world. Mm. And it's a, it like it's in my head now for the whole day. Thanks, <laughs> Casper. And the idea of tikkun olam, and we plant trees on certain holidays to rebuild the world. And when somebody dies, you plant a tree in Israel in their memory. Mm. And all of these pieces go together. I mean, even if you go, and I know you know all about Chavruta, Casper, <laughs> but, you know, working together from one text to come up with a new thought or a new understanding of something, yeah. that to me is the core of Judaism, is asking those questions, but also like caring for the world we live in by caring for the people that we share that world with and the creatures that we share that world with. And so I was like, okay, well, I need a Jewish slant on the pandemic and vaccines. And I just Googled and I found a bunch of stuff and got into a weird, scary rabbit hole, <laughs> but landed on this one. And it's a nice reminder for me that Part of my job, mm. as I see it in the world, is to impact positively mm. the other people in the world. And that those values came from the Judaism that my mom instilled in me and that she offered to me. But that idea of tikkun olam, really, you know, caring for and repairing a broken world seems to really fit right now. And I purposely picked one that was the opposite door that I could open, <laughs> right? Because the Brandy Carlisle door is like, yeah, you can leave. And this one's like, no, you have to stay. You have to fix this. Mm, mm. I'm so moved because I feel like what you're offering us to think about is actually a very different conception of like what it means to be human. I think we live in a world where we understand the boundaries of our personhood to be our skin, right? Like, I am here, you are there. Sure, there's a relationship between us, but like, my responsibility is for me first. And I feel like this other door that you're opening rejects that. Or maybe it accepts it, but it wants to expand it and say like, just looking after yourself is not enough. Like, we are inherently this word peoplehood. And of course, that's in a Jewish context, but I'm going to be bold enough to even expand that and be like, well, all, all human beings, right? Like, we have this responsibility to each other that just choosing what's best for me without taking into account what's best for everyone, it's insufficient. And I really hear the courage in your commitment of knowing that you need to have a conversation. Like, 
it's not that you want to persuade her for her sake. Like, that's not what I'm hearing and what you're saying. It's really a recognition of we're in this together and I need you. Like, this is to keep all of us safe. And I'm I'm just really moved by that, Risa. Well, thank you. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I thought that this was kind of another door, but I think it's the same door, just huh. looking a little deeper at, you know, what do we say when we walk through that door? How do we convey, you know, what we want to? And I think it also really goes to the core of why this is so hard for me, because mm. I want to repair a broken world. I want to be part of the things that fix the world and not break it. And one of those things right now is that I can get a vaccine and I can get a booster and I can wear a mask and I can still socially distance and all of those things because they're not for me. I don't enjoy any of that. I mean, my name means smile and no one can see my smile right now. It's horrible. I hate it. And I want to do everything I can to be part of the repair and not the destruction. So the more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, good job. You found two texts that reinforce each other. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love that image that they're actually the same door. Yeah. I also really love that you're bringing us this value of tikkun olam, this repairing the world, because I think it shows up in multiple elements of the story and the situation that you're sharing with us. Obviously, we want to stop COVID. We want people to be vaccinated and to be safe and to be healthy and alive. And that's part of that repair. But it's not just the outcome of stopping COVID spread. It's the way in which we're in relationship with each other. That's also part of the repair. And so the way in which you have this conversation, the way in which you're in relationship with with this person, like that too, I think, and what you're saying has to represent this effort of repairing the world, this commitment that you have. So I'm seeing how these two doors are like coming together in a way that's both beautiful and like really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that I I brought you all this question because it's a really hard one and I don't know what to do. And when I talk about it with people who have similar values to me, we're just like, yeah, it's horrible and we want to fix it. But I, I think both things are true. Like the repair of the world is, you know, tempering COVID and not having more people die, but it's also how do we relate to each other? How do we you know, how, like, I want to spend time really thinking about, yes, I have to have this conversation. How am I going to have it in a way that doesn't cause more destruction and pain? It probably will in some way, but I can do the best I can to come at it from a place of love, because that really is like, it's love for her. It's love for her family. It's love for the world. And I feel like that's sort of what's missing Mm. from the bigger picture. I wish that we could all come at problems like this, challenges like this from a place of love of, you know, I don't get it. And I really want to understand or to help or to guide or to change or to grow Mm -hmm. instead of just yelling at each other, our different values and not hearing. Are you willing to do a really weird thought exercise with me? Sure, Casper. (laughs) So I'm just thinking about really the practicality of how you're going to communicate. And you are a smart, empathetic fabulous person and you're going to do an amazing job at that and i want to give us an extra resource in how you think about what you want to say or how you're going to communicate it maybe you write it maybe you i don't, I don't know what will be the right thing and in, in how you communicate it let's use that image of a blanket that you used before let's let's imagine takun alam is a blanket and it's lying on the table next to you and like 
the person who wears that has like incredible wisdom and insight and empathy when they're repairing the world. And you're going to put it on, you're going to put it around your shoulders. What do you know about how you want to communicate what you want to communicate? That's a hard question, Casper. And all I can see is the invisibility cloak right now, but, it's, <laughs> it is but that's also not invisible. the right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think actually the invisibility cloak takes me to an interesting place because I think the way I have to have the conversation is there has to be a little bit of like a step back from my emotionalness hmm. about all of this. And I can't, I can't look at anything bigger than just what's between the two of us because mm. I have these really strong values that she doesn't subscribe to and she has these really strong values that I don't subscribe mm. to. And we aren't going to fix that. We've determined that we're not going to fix that. And so I do have to kind of put on a little cloak of invisibility around that and separate those two things and have a conversation more not around vaccines or not vaccines, mm. but around what I need to feel okay in the world and really leaning into the love that I have for her and her family mm. and really owning that that love is hard right now because it scares me to, like, it doesn't scare me to love her, but it scares me to, you know, think about Thanksgiving and even, you know, just uh, four hours on the weekend and hugs and not because I don't respect her beliefs, but because I do. Mm. And in order to respect her beliefs, I have to feel safe in spending time with her. And I feel safe because I'm vaccinated and I, I trust the science will take care of me. But I don't want to ever be the reason or the potential reason or the maybe reason that she or her family gets sick. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And either way, it sucks. It sucks that I don't feel like I can go spend time with them and I don't get to see them grow up right now. And I don't get to, you know, sit in existence. And there's another option. We have FaceTime. We have all of this technology that's not the same, but I don't want to not have her in my life. I just don't feel safe and secure in presenting myself and the people that I have interacted with to her to respect yeah. her decision. So I do think there has to be a little bit of a cloak mm. of invisibility around, like, we're not going to talk about these two completely divergent beliefs. Mm. We are going to talk about what it means for us. Mm. Mm. This is hard. It's really hard. And ugh. It's hard. Yeah. It's easier with people that we don't, you know, I there have been people that I have, you know, stopped relationship with during this, but none of them have been a critical, important person that I have known my entire life. Yeah. I think you've really honored that relationship and and yourself by giving it this intentional close look. And I, I really hope it goes well, Risa. I, I can't say more than that. Um I think the way you framed it of like, there are these bigger things. The two of us are not going to figure that out in one conversation as we navigate a weekend together. And being able to honestly let go of that is painful, right? Because my God, you know very well what you would like to happen. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like you're really embodying the clarity of Brandy 
and the generosity of this blog, there's a, yeah, I just feel like there's a real integrity to where you've landed. Risa, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing this question that, again, I know a lot of us are having to navigate. And I have a particular relationship in mind where this is a bit of a fault line. And I'm going to just try and be Risa as I as I navigate that. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a huge honor and a delight. And I really appreciate all of your insightful thoughts that helped me kind of get to this place. My therapist really appreciates you. <laughs> Do you want to thank our two fabulous texts as well? I would love to. So I want to thank Lil Shafir um, for her beautiful, insightful words about Tikkun Olam um, that really helped me kind of open the same door and walk through it in a different way. Hmm. And I want to thank Brandy Carlisle for not only this song, I Will, but for all of the music that she brings into the world. Music and podcasts have pretty much gotten me through the pandemic. So thank you, Brandy, for sharing your beautiful words with all of us. I want to say amen. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Risa. <laughs> Thanks, Casper. Before we end the show, let me give a quick shout out to our fabulous patrons, Aaron PH, Madeline C, Elise K, Megan H, JM, and Lorena, who are actually a mystery firefighting troop operating in the Portland, Oregon area. Um, so thank you to all of you for supporting the show. And I want to close on a little maxim that we received not from one listener, but two, Lily and Lydia. Thank you so much for sending this one in, which feels very relevant, I think. Do no harm, but take no shit. So I leave you with that. You've been listening to The Real Question. We can only make this show thanks to your support. So if you have the means, please join us at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. And if you love the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast and share about it on Instagram and Facebook at realquestionpod and on Twitter at therealqpod. We are a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. We're edited by Malika Gumpankum, and our music is by Nick Boll. We're distributed by Acast. A huge thanks to Risa for joining us today and sending us that original voicemail that started this whole adventure. To Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Yaramas, Stephanie Pulsell, and of course our BFF tier patrons, Amanda Schramm, Aoife Howe, Ari, Ashley Mail, Daniel Kelly, Eloise Faring, Mary Margaret, Rebecca Crow, and Stephanie Fedowish. Thanks everyone. We'll be back next time. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.